future is about basically having solutions and using tools coming from Earth observation. Hey, Space Watchers, it's Cara Monta here, event coordinator in our Space Watch global team. End of May this year, I had the pleasure to attend the Living Planet Symposium in Bonn, Germany, which is the largest Earth observation conference in the world. A big theme of the conference was on mitigation and adaptation and how to best use this data to take action towards a better Earth. And I was lucky enough to talk to Simonetta Kelly, who, since January this year, is the Director of Earth Observation Programs at ESA and Head of ESRIN. Now we talked about her role, the position of Earth Observation in ESA's accelerators, and the collaborations and questions of sustainability in this field. Our conversation started on day one of the conference, and we reconvened a few days later. This is Space Cafe Radio, your channel about trends, cool people, and real conferences. Enjoy! Thank you so much for joining me right now. Can you explain a bit more about what you do and what your current role is? My current role since the 1st of January 2022 is to be the director of Earth Observation Programs at ESA with people spread over five sites. And I'm also the head of the ESA establishment in Italy called ESRIN, where we have a very strong expertise in the directorate on the exploitation of the Earth Observation data. So my role currently includes the fact that I have to make sure that the current operational satellites in Earth observation are working fine. These include satellites in the field of meteorology, of scientific missions and Copernicus missions with the European Commission. There are currently 15 satellites in operation. So we have to make sure that the data are flowing correctly to the users, that the exploitation of the data is done properly, that the operations, whenever you need to do an anti-collision maneuver, together with our colleagues in ESOG in the German Center of ESA, are done properly. And then in parallel, we have to make sure that the development of the programs which are ongoing, already funded by ESA 22 member states, are going ahead as planned with the support of industry to develop the technologies, to meet the timeline of the launchers, and to do all this, of course, containing all risks. When you talk space, you talk risky business, so you have to always make sure that the development which ESA manages with the industry in Europe is done in the proper way and also is done with a certain perspective in terms of supporting the science users, which sometimes have clear milestones in terms of when they need the data. So this is mainly my job today, but my job is not just managing what we have today, it's also preparing for the future. So preparing for the future means that we have today over 40 satellites in development, but we are also preparing for the decisions for the next few years. And those decisions include the program proposal, which goes to the Ministerial Council this year for Earth Observation in November. And this includes about 3 billion programs continuity of last time with the continuation of the Copernicus Sentinel mission, the next generation. It also includes meteorological mission, EULUS-2, which builds upon the history of success of EULUS, a previous science mission. This we do it with UMETSAT. And then the biggest part of what we present to ministers for November is called FUTURIO, which is a program about building satellites in the science field these explorer missions that develop new technologies and also test 
new scientific technology, uh, new scientific objective associated to new technologies. And there, we also prepare for the exploitation of the data with the science community and real users. So that's Futurio. And then, of course, we work a lot on climate and we try to expand the climate variables with a new program called uh, Climate Space. And we work very much as well on the next concept of aggregating data with high computing capability called Digital Twin of the Earth. And finally, last but not least, on something called Incubed, which is a co-funding scheme to support commercial endeavors of companies. So it's a vast program for the next few years, but I have fabulous teams working with me. Everybody's really motivated, and I think today, Earth Observation, with the link to environment and climate, it's really a challenging field where it cannot be best to work, and I'm very happy to be director of this program. Amazing. Thank you so much. At this point in time, we had to take a brief interval as Simonetto was very busy with a lot of appointments. So let's skip ahead in time. It's day four of the Living Planet Symposium and I'm joined again by Simonetta. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you and hello. So one of the accelerators of the ESA program is based on Earth observation information data. So can you tell us a bit more on the progress of this accelerator? and what you deliver for developing models in space. Sure. Last year, when the Director General Joseph Aufsbacher was appointed in April, he took the initiative to convene a very high-level experts group of ex-ministers and really high-level ranking personalities to get some advice on where space should go in the medium-long term. He also put together the Agenda 2025 with ambitions for a longer-term evolution and priorities for ESA until 2035. Based from that, we had a meeting at the ministerial level in Matosinhos in November, convened by the Portuguese, which looked at the results of the work that was done by this expert group who had made recommendation to ESA and ESA member states to look into the possibility of developing and starting free accelerators and two inspirators. What are these? In particular, one of the three accelerators looks at Green Future. It's called Green Future Accelerator, and on that one, Earth Observation is in the leading role because it's the ambition to look into how space solution can support the implementation of the policy priorities of the Green Deal and how we can look at technologies coming from space and data coming from Earth Observation missions in particular to look to support the process of decarbonization of Europe towards 2050. I not only think of the current planned mission, like the CO2 mission in the context of the expansion Copernicus mission, because all of the six ones planned do support environmental priorities and crisis in the field of climate change, but this Green Future Accelerator has a new dimension, has a wider dimension, and an ambition to involve various partners, which are not only institutional partners. We are currently discussing a governance scheme for this Green Future Accelerators that would involve, of course, the European Commission, which is quite supportive of this initiative, but also member states with in-kind contribution or, or in-cash contributions, but also the private sector, and potentially even the banking sector and users. Because Green Future is about basically having solutions, and those are the innovation factories, demonstration of activities related to monitoring of methane, reduction of transport and greenhouse gases in cities associated to 
basically the plants that we need to have, reduction of the use of fertilization tools in support of agriculture policies. All of that can be certainly using tools coming from Earth observation. And the plan in this Green Future Accelerator is to have various components. One of those is called the digital twin of the Earth. It's the idea to use the available data, the currently available data, to integrate those with the high computing sources and do a digital model of the Earth, looking at various domains, possibly also climate change or natural disasters. The other element of that is the innovation factories. Innovation factories is something we are already starting and we are doing de facto in a program called Futuro Visa, but could be amplified much more, is to do precursor activities with member states, looking at the real users' needs in the use and demonstration of EO data. Then we have an element connected to the Green Future Accelerator, which is related to the development in the long term of a quantum gravity mission. Why quantum gravity? Because gravity is a domain where you can do a lot in terms of looking at the circulation of the oceans and looking at uh, gravity of the Earth, which has a very direct connection to all what is related to climate change. So we are building up the governance for the accelerators. We plan to have a summit next year possibly end of the year with Germany, to consolidate this plan and formally approve it. But in the meantime, there's been a Toulouse meeting with the ministers in February that has given the go-ahead and the green light to ISA to work on a de detailed implementation plan. And that's really what we're doing at this present. That sounds very exciting and also very useful that it's really on a user basis of yes. what is actually needed. Now, you mentioned private companies, and I know it's been a bit of a story here as well that there's a lot more private commercial actors both providing satellites but also the data analysis. So how does that collaboration work? The collaboration with international partners works very well in this field. We have since many, many years a strong collaboration, for example, with NASA on developing platform. We have developed a joint platform called MAP to distribute data sets and basically ready products from satellites and satellite data sources of missions which are run by, by both sides. And we plan to expand this platform in terms of integrating new data sources, for example, from the biomass mission that we plan to launch next year or from EarthCare that we plan to launch in the near future. So not only we are developing platforms, the need today for the users and the end users is to be able to access data fast big volumes of data, but tailored to the needs they have. So they don't care what the data source is, if the satellite is X or Y, if it's a national mission or a European or an international one, but they need to get what they need in support of the products they need to serve for their needs. A map of uh, soil moisture, a map of the evolution of a city, urban settlements, or anything related to coastal erosion. So what ESA has been doing in the past years, we've worked a lot on the DIAS, which are platforms that we've developed in collaboration with the European Commission in the context of the Copernicus program to promote the use also at the commercial sector, by the commercial sector, of the data available from Copernicus. Now we're also gone and transferred to a cloud-based system of data distribution, and we're trying to look into the evolution of technologies and platforms which are more and more tailored to serve the user needs, but also combining to the need of 
making accessible in a continuous way and give quality to the data that we provide. That's really nice to hear. Now just a little sustainability thought experiment. So with more satellites going up from international organizations, from private actors, do you think we're reaching a saturation point where there's enough satellites collecting the data? So you're not reaching a saturation point in terms of needs because you need always more resolution, wider swaths, repetitivity, depending on what you need to look. You also need satellites that look at remote areas, typically Arctic and Antarctic, which are not the same, but they're looking sometimes at other regions. You need satellite that looks through clouds, tropical forest areas. You need satellite that looks at a diversity of elements connected to our Earth environment. Can be sea level rise, can be thickness of the ice, can be extension of the forest, can be humidity of the terrain. So I think in terms of uh, satellites, you need on one side more precision all the time, also in support of civil security use, but you also need continuity of data. So the satellites which come to the end of life need to be replaced with new systems that guarantee continuity of data. And this is certainly something that also with the new commerciality initiatives, the new constellations appearing, is creating a quite a dense and an intense, I would say, occupancy of the orbits. We are looking into more and more anti-collision maneuvers to keep our satellites safe, but we're also looking at working together with the other agencies in the context of the international regulation and UN, United Nations in particular, what UNOSA is doing and the, co- the, the context of UN to look at the regulation that is properly organized for respecting space debris and for monitoring space debris. So it's also about this factor of redeveloping and constantly reinventing and updating as well. The last thing we're doing, we're trying to look at sustainability. So we're looking at type of propulsion systems which are more sustainable and don't impact on the environment. But we're also having legislations which provide that at the end of life of a satellite, you do have enough fuel on board to do a re-entry of the satellites and don't leave it in the atmosphere just to pollute. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for your time. I'll be in touch. Thank (laughs) you. This was the end of our episode, but please don't forget to check out our full program of Space Cafe Radio, where we offer interviews, insights and editorial comments on the space sector. Thank you all very much for listening. And with that, I leave you for today. And don't forget... Become a space watcher. Bye.